Welcome into the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. Austin Gale here, the host with Ben Brown, ready to rip it up this Thursday night, ready, heading into Friday. It's already over 12 o'clock here, so we're heading into Friday. Going to start with what was an awful game, an awful game on Thursday night. The Green Bay Packers took on the San Francisco 49ers, won that game 34-17. to Not a ton of takeaways here. I know Eric Eager had some value on San Francisco, liked them at plus seven, liked them at plus seven and a half. That did not end up panning out. This is utter domination from Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and company. What were your kind of major takeaways from this blowout win for Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, Eric felt good at his plus eight. Definitely got some line movement there towards the end before we before we kicked off the game. Unfortunately, that didn't come into uh, any sort of fruition. Uh, I was not feeling as good about the Packers, but Eric felt, you know, more confident. Or I was not feeling very good about the 49ers. Um, I was kind of confident on the Packers early in the week, you know, minus six, six and a half, those sorts of situations. But anything under a touchdown was definitely viable. Once it moved back up to eight, I didn't mind the 49ers side of it, but uh, this was kind of like a vintage, you know, Aaron Rodgers coming off the loss last week, crushing, you know, a depleted team on Thursday night football. And, you know, it didn't really break correctly either. I think the overhead basically at the end of the game, 48 and a half, um, which was kind of unfortunate as well. And I had Nick Mullins over 1.5 passing touchdowns. So I really wanted to at least see a garbage time touchdown. I wanted it to be throwing. Of course, Jarek McKinnon gets in at the end. So uh, yeah, it didn't necessarily break right for me on Thursday night football, but uh, we got a much 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 better games coming up here on Sunday so not a ton Some of takeaways fantasy relevance in this game I thought was obviously Devontae Adams with Aaron Jones kind of limited he was questionable entering the game ended up playing in this one but you knew Devontae Adams was continuing to see a ton of targets ended up finishing with 12 targets 10 receptions 173 yards and a touchdown he continues to dominate as a true wide receiver one in fantasy Marco's bad at Scantling also dropped one ball, but after that, two receptions for 53 yards and two touchdowns. I think the Aaron Jones play was interesting because they said before the game they're going to use him in emergency situations. I have Aaron Jones on multiple fantasy teams, and I decided to fade that, did not start him in this game. And immediately after the game, he got, what, the four, first four or five touches? It's like, yeah. Jesus, how is this an emergency situation? How are you already using him at this volume? He only ends up finishing – with 15 carries for 58 yards and then five receptions for 21 yards. I was nervous to start, but my thought was emergency situations. I don't think one, we're going to see any of those against the San Francisco 49ers team too. And two, even if he does play to start and he did obviously got the five touches to start this game, I think they're going to get to a big enough lead to where they feel really comfortable running Tyler Irvin and the rest of this team. Um, I think, obviously, Devontae Adams is a true wide receiver one. That's the major takeaway. I doubt anyone started, um, you know, anyone on the San Francisco 49ers, maybe Jarek McKinnon, maybe Jermichael Hasty. But Aaron Jones, went healthy, is a true running back one. Didn't see that kind of uh, – didn't see the type of PPR point totals, but even when questionable, saw a lot of touches there in Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, the first quarter looked really good from him. That was kind of what I was hoping to see. I think it was more game script dependent as opposed to him actually being – you know, or him basically not being needed at that point in time once they were up 14 to 3. I thought they kind of assumed that they were going to be able to roll. Obviously, that was the case, and you didn't really see him basically towards the latter half of the second quarter into the second half. So, um, you know, it is what it is at that point in time. Obviously, if he's a little dinged up, they're not going to give him as much run, but it was probably the correct approach to fade the pregame, you know, 
direction of them actually saying that he was only going to be used in emergency situations because that was definitely not the case there to start the game but I was impressed you know obviously the Packers were very efficient throwing the football as well I think they had right around a 0.6 EPA per pass attempt I think that's like the eighth highest mark that we've seen in a game so far this season and the Packers have three of those games in the top 10 I think the Chiefs are the next closest with two so I mean Aaron Rodgers what more can you say from him I know Marcus Valdez Scanling scores you know two for 53 and two touchdowns uh everything is basically going right for the Packers at that point in time so it was uh you know I don't think you can take too much away from the 49ers at this point Nick Mullins probably isn't as good of a backup as you know most people were indicating at this point in time but uh other than that yeah they're just not really trending in the right direction fortunately the injuries have definitely caught up to them so uh we'll see what ends up happening with the 49ers here to finish out the season all right, we're going to close the books on Thursday Night Football. Blowout win for the Green Bay Packers. Before we jump to college football, where we're going to use PFF NCAA Green Line, a betting dashboard for every college football that would be uh, college football game that we played this weekend, you can get that with your PFF Elite subscription um, on PFF.com. Before we do that, we're going to jump to Prize Picks, which is an awesome tool, or not tool, is an awesome site to use if you're looking to bet on over-unders for PPR points. They give you a ton of options, a ton of different players to bet over-under on PPR points, for example. Their projection is Julio Jones at 19 and a half, uh, Dalvin Cook at 21 and a half PPR points. You choose two or three in like a parlay of sorts. And if you get two or three right, you obviously win money back. So I think it's a, it's a really fun site to use, Ben. We talk about it every Thursday night, Friday morning, about how much we love prize picks and what we're betting on. I'm going to open with this, Ben. Before you get to your picks, I'm having a, we're having a fun competition with these prize picks here. I really like Derek Henry. Right now on prize picks, it's projected 18.0. PPR points. I really like the under for Derrick Henry. One, because yes, the Chicago Bears defense is good, but I think they're going to have to throw to win this football game. Like, you're not going to be running Derrick Henry against Chicago. Yes, it's at home for Tennessee, but running Derrick Henry to the to the volume where you're going to clear 18.0 PPR points against Chicago, I think you're going to have to throw this throw in to win in this football game, and it's going to be a low-scoring game ultimately when it's all said and done. I don't see Derrick Henry crossing that number. According to PFF right now, we have him projected at 16.4 PPR points. I like the under for Derrick Henry, which is always dangerous knowing the volume he does get in Tennessee, but I think that's where I'm leaning right now. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't mind it. I do agree with you. I do think they're going to have to throw the football if they actually want to win against Chicago. Uh, they didn't look too good last week, so I don't mind fading Derrick Henry. I do think there's some sort of, you know, cold-weather narrative that continues to get played up for him, so I'm sure we'll have some more opportunities to probably fade him um, towards the latter half of this season, so I'm definitely on board with that. I'll, I'll give you one. I'm going to go on over because I know you were giving me some crap a couple weeks ago, so <laughs> I kind of like, I'm taking advantage of some injury situations, but Marvin Jones, over 12.5 fantasy points. He's been a guy... Um, I've been targeting kind of for the last two weeks. It worked out decently well based on the Kenny Galladay injury last week when he got in for two touchdowns. Um, but I'm going back to the well one more time. He is blowing, he is popping up basically in my blow up model. Um, I do have, we do have him as a fantasy projection right around 13.8. I do think that, you know, obviously the Vikings defense is still uh, not great, especially on that secondary. So from that perspective, I do think that he's definitely a viable play to get over 12.5 fantasy points. So that's uh, one that I'm definitely on board with here for prize picks i like it chasing overs man i'm gonna give you another chasing. one here i i think this one's interesting so right now jk dobbins the baltimore ravens running back the rookie running back out of ohio state uh, according to pfs ppr projections is at 9.5 mark ingram did not practice today i think he's going to end up entering that game listed as questionable but i would not be surprised if he sits again in favor of the gus edwards jk dobbins um type of tandem and jk dobbins this past week 
did not get the same volume of touches as Gus Edwards, but did play a higher percentage of the snaps. Right now, according to PP, um, prize picks, he's projected 10.5 PPR points. I like, against Indianapolis, I like J.K. Dobbins scoring. And right now, J.K. Dobbins, from a yards perspective, is crushing. His yards per carry, yards per touch is up there with the best in the NFL. The problem has been, he just hasn't gotten the end zone. Eventually, positive regression is going to come. He's getting the touches. He's getting the snaps. I think J.K. Dobbins finds the end zone this week against Indianapolis. And if he finds the end zone, I know, I know he's going to have enough receptions and enough total yards, uh, total scrimmage yards to clear that 10.5 number. That's another over for you, Ben. J.K. Dobbins, I'm betting on the guy. Truly efficient, forcing this tackles at a high rate. Give me Dobbins over 10.5 on prize picks. No House Advantage is taking a different spin on daily fantasy sports by offering player prop contests across the NBA, MLB, NFL, and PGA for cash prizes. This is an awesome new fantasy sports platform that's leveling the playing field and making it easier to win than on the traditional fantasy sports apps. Download the No House Advantage app and check out our daily player prop contests without having to make a deposit. Play in public guaranteed cash prize pool contests or create your own private contest with friends. Use promo code EDGE when signing up, and they'll match your first deposit with a $20 in free play. If your first-time deposit is at least $10, we'll set you up with a free PFF EDGE annual subscription. No House Advantage offers daily player prop contests that include all types of player statistics. Featured player prop contests combine players of different positions across several statistical categories. Compete against other users and track in real time as you climb the leaderboard. Download the No House Advantage app now using promo code EDGE, and they'll match your first deposit with up to $20 in free play. If your first time deposit is at least $10, we'll set you up with a free PFF EDGE annual subscription. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think this is going to be the week. I think they saw a little bit of flashes last week from him to the point where they know that he's definitely the best back in this backfield. So I'm with you on that. I do think riding riding that out a little bit more is definitely going to be productive. I mean, he got over this 10.5 total last week just based on his rushing yardage. So if he gets in the end zone, I mean, he's going to basically be there uh, in the first half at this point in time. So I know some people want to, um, you know, fade the Ravens just in general because of the Colts' strong defense, but I don't really think that's necessarily the correct play. So I'm definitely with you on J.K. Dobbins over. So I'll give you one more. I am going uh, kind of similar vein, but Jerry Judy over 11.0 fantasy points. Uh, We have it a little bit closer to 12.5 fantasy points or 11.5 actually, but we have him getting 6.6 targets. I think with that sort of target volume projection, I do think he's going to be able to get over this uh, total pretty easily at this point in time. Of course, the Falcons defense is definitely one you want to target. From a wide receiver perspective, Drew Locke is back, so I do think that this uh, Broncos offense is going to look much closer to the unit that they showed in the second half against the Chargers last week than uh, what we've seen in the previous few weeks from them. So I definitely like Jerry Judy to kind of emerge here, maybe have a little bit of a breakout game from that Broncos um, you know, wide receiver position and uh, probably get over this 11.0 fantasy projection, which I think is uh, probably just a little bit low still and based not so much on Drew Locke actually being the one distributing him the football. So, And I think with that one too, I think Jerry Judy is bound for that game. I think Jerry Judy right. is bound for an over, a breakout game. He's been getting the target volume. He's constantly creating separation for Denver. I can see that. I'm going to give you one more over, and this is one of my favorite picks on prize picks right now, and it's Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram is getting a lot of negative narrative right now for that drop and that loss uh, two weeks ago, and he didn't show up. Uh, he showed up big in the in last week's game, but still didn't you know finish with a ton of PPR points. But the P, uh, the prize picks projection against Washington this week is ten. 
Right now, PFF's fantasy projections, according to uh, PFF.com, have him at 10.4. And I really like the target volume over the past two weeks. Eight targets in each of the past two games, uh, finished with 11 receptions in those two games. Yes, a little over 100 yards in both those games, but he hasn't had a touchdown this season. I think we're going to see some regression there. I think we're going to see some positive regression for Evan Ingram against Washington football team. I think this game is close uh, for for a few fa- you know Giants don't play in a ton of close games. They had one uh, against Tampa Bay unexpectedly, but I think against Washington it's going to be close. I think Evan Ingram shows up, gets in the end zone. I'm banking on positive regression for some of these guys that aren't finding the end zone. I think Evan Ingram gets a touchdown and has enough target volume to make up the rest of the PPR points to clear that 10.0 number uh, on prize picks. That is where I'm leaning. Am I crazy? Am I crazy on the Evan Ingram hype? No, I mean, I like it, to be honest with you. I do agree with you. The narrative surrounding him basically from the past few weeks has been this drop king, basically sort of person who can't necessarily catch or hang out of the football. I was a little worried about, you know, the Giants pass catching unit in general just because I felt like it was so crowded with you know Darius Slayton Sterling Shepard coming back I kind of wanted to see how that was all going to break out and then you know Golden Tate seems like has kind of gone a little bit off the rails here a little bit in a lot of situations so I don't even know how involved he's going to be if he's going to be you know suspended potentially for the first half or some conduct thing stuff like that so I think from that perspective Evan Ingram uh, getting some more of those touches especially in the slot maybe split out just a little bit wider um, in that tight end position I definitely think is a viable play and I do think that he could get, you know, easily one or two red zone targets that, you know, would previously go to Golden Tate, like we saw this past weekend. Mm-hmm. So I do think from that perspective that it is definitely a viable play for, for him to get over 10 fantasy points because, like you let's said, look the narrative the around him is bad. Take, take right. a second, get out of the NFL, and look ahead to the college state. NCAA Refresh. Greenlight, we have three games on Friday. Go, uh, go, we got Miami at NC State, San Jose State against my Aztecs in San Diego. And then you also have BYU, Zach Wilson and company taking on Boise State. Right now, PFF Greenline, uh, NCAA Greenline on PFF.com, doesn't have a 1% edge on any number except the Miami versus NC State under. It's at 58 and a half right now. Are you, are you betting the under tomorrow night? I have actually laid off this one so far. I did talk with Eric about it early in the week. It's just one that I don't feel great about. I was on some North Carolina State unders previously this season, Virginia Tech. North Carolina State won. That was basically over in the first half, unfortunately. So that was one that kind of made me uh, take a pause. But their defense has been atrocious. It's the last ranked defense in the ACC, according to our opponent, Justin Grades. You know, Miami is known kind of as really quality defense, but they're not grading that necessarily grading that well either um, from our opponent Justin Gray's perspective so I don't know if the offenses are really going to be as slowed down by these defenses as we kind of project out at this point in time so I know 58.5 you know it's kind of in the middle I guess for uh, college football totals but I don't feel great about it here on Friday night I know if you're looking for some action you know things are kind of slim there's not too much you know opportunity I could see laying it down at this point in time but this might be a spot where I'm looking more towards um, you know maybe a fast start and then I can get maybe a soft number here coming up on the second half line so that's where i'm kind of looking at for this game what about what about the saturday slate everyone's got their eyes kind of wide open at the notre dame clemson game we'll get to that later but where are you seeing value in the early slate on saturday yeah early slate i mean i do really like south carolina uh plus 10 basically at this point in time i do think they're definitely a viable play um they're not necessarily in that early slate of games though so i think uh can't remember exactly what time they're they're at six o'clock so yeah they're a late one so 11 o'clock game um i don't know there's there are a lot of intriguing matchups coming up here at 11 i know people are kind of be tuned into uh you know nebraska northwestern 
we didn't have we had some early week value on that line we don't necessarily have too much on it anymore um i don't know see i've kind of been liking temple basically throughout this whole season anthony russo's not playing again COVID situation smu i've kind of been higher on than the market i feel like in general and that's kind of come back to bite me in the butt um shane buchel has been pretty good but basically since reg robertson you know got injured they haven't necessarily been the same offensive unit so from that perspective um i'm not really buying into that game trying to find something uh worthwhile basically on the early slate but i don't know it's kind of honestly a little bit thin from a green line perspective to start the game so i don't know are you seeing any matchups you like are you what's going on with the san jose state san diego state coming up here on friday night is that game happening or what's going on i know i think that game's happening that game's happening i think it's going to happen it's going to be a blowout win for our aztecs they're favored by nine and a half right now they're seeing 60 percent of the cash and 77 percent of the tickets i think they cover that number at home against san jose state on the early slate for saturday PF, you know, PFF Greenline does have some value on Duke at plus 11 and a half. Mm-hmm. I think NC, UNC, they're going against UNC at home. They have been playing down the competition this year, in my opinion. Sam Howell was supposed to take this huge leap forward. We haven't really seen that from him. Yes, they've had a lot of success from their running backs, uh, Javante Williams and, and Carter there, both forcing missed tackles at a high rate for that offense. But Duke defensively has risen up. I mean, they've had some competitive games so far this year. I think 11 and a half maybe is too big of a number. I think I might side with that green line edge. UNC still seeing a bulk majority of the cash and tickets, but Duke at plus 11 and a half. If I was going to lay some cheddar down on a line, I think Duke at plus 11 and a half is where I see the most value. But let's talk more about that South Carolina game because I do think South Carolina at home, 10 point dogs against Texas A&M, really good defense in South Carolina, two really talented cornerbacks that are supposed to be, you know, top 50, top 100 picks of JC Horn and Israel Mukwamu. I think South Carolina plus 10 as we get closer to the seven o'clock slate is one where I think I'll lean. Yep, definitely. I'm with you on that. My one concern basically is Kellen Mann, I think has played, you know, exceptionally well, basically to start 2020 season. I do think he's, you know, graded out right around 78.1 PFF passing grade. Obviously, um, from that perspective, if he gets going, this could be a difficult situation for the South Carolina Gamecocks to cover. But I kind of like Colin Hill. He is coming off his highest graded game so far um, in the 2020 season. And well, you know, they might not necessarily be that great. He is the third lowest percentage of negatively graded throws in the FBS or in the SEC. So I think from a perspective of the fact that he's maybe not going to give you a ton of upside, but he also has this slightly healthy aversion to risk. I do think that that's going to help them actually cover more at home, especially as 10 point, um, especially this 10 point spread, which I do think is probably a little too wide at this point in time. So that's why I like South Carolina. I'm kind of a little bit nervous about Kellen Munn though, but I do think that they're going to be able to at least keep it uh, within a touchdown range to actually be there at the end of the game. So that's kind of what I'm betting on at this point in time. But uh, so what are you seeing in some of these marquee matchups you thinking, you know, basically we got, you know, Notre Dame Clemson, obviously there's some intrigue, no Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, what's going to happen in that sort of situation. How are you playing this game? Yeah, I think that's where I want to finish the pod, actually, is talk about Clemson at Notre Dame. Trevor Lawrence will not be playing in this game. It'll be DJ, the true freshman, going against the Fighting Irish that right now at home are five-point dogs. You're seeing 54% of the cash and 58, uh, 54% of the cash on Notre Dame and 58% of the tickets on Clemson. I talked to George Shahuri early in the week. He said if this number's anywhere under seven, he's backing up the Brinks truck and unloading on Clemson. He sees them clearing that number. He thinks that Without Trevor Lawrence, I think they're, they're overvaluing that a bit. I think they still think, uh, you know, George is still confident that this is a top offense that can win handily against Ian Book and Notre Dame. They're building the packet 
for NBC right now. They, you know, obviously working with NBC, we help them kind of get get their commentators in a place where they really know the data from PFF for both these quarterbacks and the entire teams. I think Ian Book is not the better quarterback in this situation going against DJ. And that's crazy to say. I know he's a true freshman. Hasn't played a ton of games in college football. I don't think it's clear that Ian Book is indeed the better quarterback. I like Clemson a ton. PFF Greenline doesn't see a 1% edge either direction here. But if you asked me if I had to lay some money down, multiple units down, I'm leaning Clemson to cover what right now is a five-number Notre Dame five-point dogs at home. Yeah, which is interesting because the market actually agrees with you. I do think that it opened up right around two and a half for Clemson. That's pushed all the way out through three, all the way out to five. I do think it was at five and a half. So there might have been just a little bit of buyback on Notre Dame uh, once it got a little bit out in that range. But I don't know. I I mean, I know people really like DJ say, you know, uh, George said he was basically what third or fourth best quarterback in college football at this point in time. Crazy. Um, crazy. It is crazy to be honest with you. But I don't know. Him and Ian Buck have the same basically the same percentage of positively graded throws uh dj has a slightly more negative graded throw so um from that perspective i don't know i'm kind of thinking that this is going to be a spot where notre dame potentially um maybe doesn't necessarily pull it off but i do think it's probably going to play within a three three point field goal type of range sort of situation so that's where i'm uh, leaning at this point in time i told george that early in the week he tried to talk me off the ledge uh i wasn't having it at that point in time i still think i might be leaning on it at that point but i really w- i wish that uh greenland kind of had a play at this game because uh obviously it's going to be one of the best matchups we'll have in the college football regular season here but absolutely you know, i think all the eyeballs are going to be on the fighting irish going against clemson this week ben always a good time to jump on the podcast and there. It's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. There's some good matchups in the NFL, but I think college football, the Pac-12 is back. Mountain West is back. ACC going at it. Notre Dame, Clemson. I think it's going to be a fun Saturday as well. Definitely looking forward to this slate. Until next time, the PFF Daily Betting Podcast, Austin Gale, Ben Brown. See you guys later.